Dan. Um, it's great to see all of you. Um, if, join me in Leviticus chapter 23. Leviticus 23. Uh, if you're using the Bible in the pew, this is on page 101. Um, turn there uh, if you have your own, but if you're not, um, just, I'll have it on the screen as well. Uh, while you're doing that, uh, one thing I wanted to throw out uh, in regard to the dinner for eight. If anybody that's already signed up for that or you were thinking, we are looking for a couple extra hosts. Um, and so if you'd like to have some people over for food, um, we need that. So you can just let me know when service is over. Um, we're in the middle of a series uh, in the book of Leviticus, this Old Testament book that most people skip over. We've been pushing through and just really trying to learn what does it mean to be the people of God and how does God reveal himself? Um, what does it mean to, how does, what kind of a life does he call us into in regard to following him? And it's been really interesting to go through this. It's been great to hear the feedback from people and um, hopefully this has been a really encouraging uh, and challenging series for you. If this is your first time with us and you missed some of those, uh, if you go into our New Life, uh, actually that QR code, if you scroll down there, there's a, you can download the New Life app, and those previous messages are on there if that was something that you'd be interested in. But let me start off this morning by asking you this. Have you ever had the experience where you were invited to go to do something, be it maybe with a couple of people or a group or an event or whatever, but you really didn't want to go to it at first? You went... You begrudgingly went, like in your mind, oh, I have other things to do. There's going to be people there. Um, I'd much rather sit at home. But you went, but then after you went and after the experience, after whatever it was, you said, oh, I am so glad I did this. Who's ever had that experience? Like beforehand, ugh. Afterwards, that was great. And then, do you want to do it again? That was great, you know, but you've had that idea of, I didn't, I was begrudging about this initially, but after I did it, after I had the experience, it was something that was meaningful. You realized even in some moments, I needed this. Have you ever had that? Like when you went to the thing that you didn't want to go to, but when it was over, you're like, I really needed that. I needed to do this. I needed to be here. I needed whatever it was. Well, this next section of Leviticus is like that, in, in that type of a scenario possibly, where we may not realize how much we need what this next chapter is going to be talking about until we get into it and see what it's about and we experience it. We experience what God has for us. And once we do realize and we experience what God's presenting to us here, we're going to realize how good for, good for our souls it really is. It says at the beginning of Leviticus 23, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, These are the appointed feasts of the Lord, that you shall proclaim as holy convocations. They are my appointed feasts. We said last week that the back half of Leviticus is all about life outside of the tabernacle. That they're, they've come to worship, but now the back half is talking about what does it look like to leave living lives of worship. In Leviticus 18 to 20, we, last week we talked about living a holy life, being the people that God has redeemed us to be. Leviticus 23, the whole chapter, is about these seven feasts which God established within their calendar. And these aren't just normal feasts or festivals. These are appointed festivals. These are 
holy convocations, it tells us, appointed, chosen, days for holy assembly, days that are set apart from other days, not just any days, special holy days, days which cause us to pause from our regular weeks or regular monthly rhythms and focus on the goodness of the Lord. And we're going to get into the seven major feasts actually in the next Leviticus message because today we want to focus in on the special first thing that this chapter focuses on, and that's Sabbath. It says in the uh, verse 3, Six days shall work be done, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, a holy convocation. You shall do no work. It is a Sabbath to the Lord, in all your dwelling places. Before he gets into these major festivals that are going to go throughout their year and create a rhythm for their year, he focuses on this day that's going to create a regular rhythm, holy rhythm in their weeks as the weeks come and go. And this is not the first time that Sabbath is mentioned in the Bible. It's actually established. It's a major concept that's established in the creation story in the beginning of Genesis. It's also one of the major ten, it's one of the ten commandments. This is a major thing. It says in Exodus 20, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. Or your son, nude, or your son, or your daughter, or your male servant, or your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now this might seem like a checklist item. It may come across as something impossible to do because of everything else that we have to do. Or it's just another religious thing. But the reality is, is that once we embrace and practice Sabbath, we're going to see just how important this is for our souls. This is going to be the thing that we realize that God has given us this, and we practice this, and it's going to be, oh, I needed that. I needed that. I said how important of a topic last week was, that the idea of holiness, of living a holy life. It is the central message of all of Leviticus. This is actually part two of that. To to, to live a holy life is to have a rhythm of Sabbath, of being reminded what it means, the fact that God has saved us and given us a life to live that we can be holy. I don't know what type of week you have had. I don't know what type of weeks you have had. But I know this, you need today's message. You might not realize it yet, but when you hear this and you hear the significance of it, you need this today. And so before we jump into the main parts of it, let's pray and ask God to encourage our hearts. God, we do thank you and praise you for the fact that just your care for us, God, your intimate, knowledgeable, tender care of us, your patience with us, your love and how you speak truth to us. God, I pray that you would give us ears to hear that this morning. Within the different weeks that we've had, the different things that we carry, the responsibilities that we have, the distractions that can be overwhelming, God, I pray that you would quiet all those things and let us hear from you this morning. God, I pray I just trust this hour, this time with you. I trust this service that we would hear from you, that you would speak, 
God, that you would let us see how much we do need this word from you. And so do something amazing, God, that only you can do. And we trust you for it. In your name we pray, amen. And so he's telling them, I want your year to be characterized and established by these different feasts. But within between those, every week, you need to do Sabbath. Why is Sabbath, what is Sabbath, and why is it so important? Well, the first thing is this. Sabbath is a regular reminder of what is central to our identity in the Lord. Sabbath is a regular reminder of what is central to our identity in the Lord. The week is full of so much going on and so much to do. Then when the week is over, the busy weekend comes and there's more to do. And then Monday comes and we rinse and repeat. I know I don't have to tell you that. We can keep going and going and we get into almost almost this fog where we can't think or process the different things that we're going through. And then the normal stresses become overwhelming stress and the things all of life can feel overwhelming. And it's just not just the nonstop pace. It's what's happening during that nonstop pace where the voices are telling us you need to work more to show that you're valuable to this organization. You have to earn more to show that you are actually successful. Your grades better be at this level to show that you're a good student. You better have this many friends and you have to be there for them. You need to be in a relationship. You need to have a perfect marriage. You need to never snap at your kids. You need to be at this opportunity. You need to help at this thing. No one wants to hear about the added struggles that come from your economic situations or your gender or your race or your anything else. You just need to get to work tomorrow, put on deodorant before you get there, and remember to smile. All of that happens. Anybody that relate to anyone that kind of, that's always what's happening to us. And it's exhausting. It's exhausting to have that. And maybe that's a character, that's a little hyperbole for you, but you experience the reality of all of this stuff and life becomes exhausting. Our souls become exhausting. Where you're so tired that you take a nap and you realize when you get up you're still tired because it wasn't a physical tiredness. Who you are is tired. And God knows that we don't naturally pause during all of that because the way our world is wired is that you keep going. You keep going. And even if yours isn't what I described, he knows that we won't, we also within not naturally pausing, we will naturally be forgetful. The voices of everything screaming for our attention pull us in so many different directions that we can't find ourselves coming and going. As I think about different sports teams, both of my kids have been in sports and playing basketball or volleyball, whatever it is, sometimes when a team is really struggling and you've missed multiple shots or these things aren't going really well, the coach, okay, time out. Why? Because we need to stop. We need to regroup. We need to kind of come back. Okay, wait, let's take a breath. Because something's it's just not going the way it should be going. Hence the idea of Sabbath. Because God knows that unless he, we stop, we're going to get into the same situation in life. Where it's just going to keep going. It's going to keep piling up. It's going to keep, and the overwhelming is going to become more overwhelming. And burnout's going to lead to even worse burnout. And so God says, Sabbath, have one day where you stop. It is okay. This, this next thing I'm going to say is the most important thing for you to hear today. 
it is okay for you to stop and pause from all of that craziness. It is okay for you to stop from all of the craziness that life throws at us. And you know why I know it's okay? Because God's telling us it's okay. God is telling us to do it. He's saying, take six days, work hard, put the effort in. I mean, don't kill yourself, but do it. Do a good job, work, all of it. But you need to have at least one day where you stop. It is okay to stop from all of the craziness and enjoy the presence of God and the life that he's given us. Because what happens when we stop? God is calling us to observe Sabbath to remind us of two things that are core to who we are as his people. One, that he is the creator and not us. We need to stop and remind ourselves regularly. He is the creator, not me. It says in Exodus 31, the Israelites are to observe the Sabbath, celebrating it for the generations to come as a lasting covenant. It will be a sign between me and the Israelites forever. For in six days the Lord made the heavens of the earth, and on the seventh day he abstained from work and rested. You hear them say, it will, this is going to be a sign. This is going to be a reminder. Is anybody super forgetful and you know that about yourself so you leave notes hanging up? Yeah, it might be the reminder on the phone or post-it notes or a sign on the door. I know there's literally, I know if I don't put this right by the door or hang it on the doorknob, I'm going to forget to take this. Who gives yourselves reminders like that? Okay, and some of you, if you didn't put your hand up, the rest of us want to tell you, you probably need those reminders, all right? We, we, we become very forgetful. And so what Sabbath is going to be that type of a reminder. It's going to be a sign to you. And what is it pointing to? To the idea of creation. Sabbath has to get us back to the idea of creation that God created everything, not us. On day one, time was made. God established a natural rhythm to to life of day and night, day and night. And then days two through six, he used time to create and to work and to bring order to creation. And on the seventh day, time was used to rest, to rest. It says in uh, Genesis 2, thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Now resting here is not a picture of God taking a nap. That's not the idea of here. This is a temple image and temples were a huge part of their culture and how from the time when this was written. And people in this time believed that temples were made for deities to live in. And so temple temples were built and then they were dedicated. And the temple dedication ceremony lasted seven days. And over the, the, the week culminated on the final day when the image of the deity would be brought into the temple to rest in the temple. And when a deity is resting in his temple, what that was is it was a picture that nothing needed tending to. If the deity was resting present in his temple, it meant that all of create everything was fine. 
There was no chaos. There was no craziness. Things were as it should be. Because chaos was gone, everything was under his control. He rested. This is what's happening in Genesis 1. We have seven days where God has created. And on the last day, he puts the image of himself into this place. And then it says that he rested. He's not claiming authority over just one place. He's claiming authority over all of the universe. And he said, all of chaos has been brought to order. I am the one who's made this. He's not withdrawing from creation. He's taking his place at the helm. I am creator God. I am in charge. I am sovereign. And Sabbath reminds us of that. To have a regular time where we're reminded the universe doesn't rest on my shoulders. Some of, us need to be, some of us need that reminder. Everything is going to continue, even if I take a break. Everything, the universe is going to be okay if I take a break. And we need to be reminded of that. Sabbath reminds us that he is creator, not us. That God makes it clear that he's in charge. He's in control. He makes it clear that we should be part of time to acknowledge that the universe rests on him. You can take a break. You can stop. Because it's not on all on your shoulders. He is the one who's in charge and has the universe under his control. It also reminds us, as much as it reminds us that he's the creator, it also reminds us that he's the redeemer. He is the one who saves. He is the one who restores, not us. It says in Exodus 31, You are to speak to the people of Israel and say to them, Above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths, for this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that you may know that I, the Lord your God, sanctify you. This is a sign. This is a picture. This is a reminder. Same type of a thing. That I'm the one that changes you. I'm the one that grows you. I'm the one who's made you new. It says in Deuteronomy 5, Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. I mean, the specificness of that. You knew what it was like to be slaves in Egypt. And now you're free from that. You knew the bondage of slavery. Now you're a free person. And you need a day to be reminded of the fact that's not your life anymore. Don't live like you're enslaved. Live like you're free. You need to be... The fight, the things we're trying to collect is that I want to feel whole. I want to feel valued. I want to feel loved. I want to feel significant. And we keep trying to do all these things to get all these things to help us feel those different ways. And none of those things do that. We need the Sabbath to remind her, to remind us that only God saves us. Only God gives us life. Only God gives us value. Only God gives us our worth. Everything else will fail us. Nothing else can do what he does. And so Sabbath reminds us of what is core to who we are. In our relationship with God, we don't need the extra hours of work to give us worth. We don't need to listen to the voices demanding more of our energy because they're not the ones that give us value. We can reject the cultural labels that try to signify that we have made it or that we're okay because Jesus is the one 
who makes us okay. He's the one who makes us new. Some souls in here this morning are so exhausted because you are trying to rest in things other than God. That relationship will not bring rest to your soul. That job won't. That career won't. That degree won't. That whatever it is won't. Only God gives rest to our souls. And once a week, we need to be reminded of that. Once a week, we need to be we need to admit that it's not on our shoulders. Once a week, we need to admit that we can't save ourselves. Once a week, we need to be reminded of what our value is and where our value comes from so that we can carry that reminder throughout the rest of the week so that when we get to work, when we get to school, when we interact with people, we are reminded of what's most important. I am a child of God. Because the creator of the universe loved me enough to send his son to die for me so that my sins could be forgiven and I could have new life. He has made me new. I am a son of him. I am part of his family. I am part of something significant that's greater than myself. And I forget that sometimes. And I worry what other people think. Or is this good enough? Or what are they going to think? Or how about this? Or, oh, I screwed up here. We need to have that reminder of who we are. That it's God who's in charge. And that it's God who has given us life. Your soul is craving the rest that only God can give. Sabbath is a regular reminder of what is central to our identity in the Lord. Second thing, kind of again working off of that, Sabbath is a regular opportunity to refocus and refresh to take this day and to refocus on these truths, to be reminded of them, and not just, the again, the mental checkbox of, yes, he's creator, yes, he's redeemer, and then keep on moving, but how that influences and recalibrates and helps me go into the week ahead. The day is holy. It's not a person. It's not an object. It's a block of time set apart from other blocks of time. It's the difference between a day that drags on and those you don't even realize pass. Have you been so enamored with something or having so much fun with something or just, it's just amazing and you look at your watch and it's like, where did the time go? That we get so, something is just so filling that we don't even realize that time goes on. That's how Sabbath is supposed to be for us. That it just feels like blink that, and we, time didn't exist because in reality there's something different about this time than the rest of the week. It's interesting that day and evening isn't used for the Sabbath in Genesis 2 as, it's as if time didn't exist on that day. And in reality, that's the point. We're not supposed to be thinking about what we're doing in time. We're just supposed to enjoy and exist within the time. It's meant to be a regular moment of time when we forget and just be God's kids. Sabbath is about setting apart time to exist in the reality that God is in control and I am free. It's a day that informs the other days about their true meaning. Jesus is Lord. I don't produce or create anything from a work standpoint. I just live, I simply be, I rest and enjoy. Sabbath is meant to remind us that we are human beings and not human doings. And so within that, we get that privilege. And so how does this help me refocus? Because I reorient my life to God. 
I remind myself, God is in control. I can say no to this. Even though it's still going to be there. But I can say no to this. I can put this on pause for right now. And it's going to be okay. That's, that's the creation idea. Everything is under, on God's shoulders, not mine. So I can set this aside for right now. I reorient myself back to who I am. My identity is not in what I produce. And to have that daily, that weekly reminder, your value is not tied to your work. Your value is not tied to your grades. Your value is not tied to your relationship status. Because aren't so some of the things that we get really stressed about and angst about and worried about and we start feeling down and negative and depressed about ourselves because of those things? Yes? Or am I the only one? We need that weekly reminder to go, but that's not where your value is. That's not where your meaning comes from. And so to have that week, to be able to refocus and reorient, to be able to remind myself, and then when I look at the week ahead, to remind myself, this is who I am as I go into these things. I am a child of God who is loved and redeemed and is okay because I'm a child of God. How does this help us to refresh ourselves? Well, one, it helps us to limit our choices. It's, it's actually pretty freeing just to say, you know what, I'm going to have a day where I'm just going to worry about God and be with my family and friends and community and just enjoy God's creation. That's actually pretty awesome. I'm not going to have anything I have to do. I'm going to enjoy things I can do. And so to limit the choices. Have you ever gone into a restaurant that just has tons, like Cheesecake Factory, like Here's your menu. And it's like, it's stressful to figure out what's the one thing that you want through all of this. Then you walk into Cane's. And it's beautiful. I want that. Because that's the only thing I can get. And that's the only thing I want, because it's delicious. I'm going to have Cane's later. But that's what Sabbath is. Just be with God. And be with your friends or family. Not to do something like a task, but just to enjoy them. And just to laugh and talk and play a game, catch up, whatever that is. But just be with God. Be with friends or family. Be in creation. Limit your choices. It's so refreshing. Establish boundaries. It's a time to say no to the other things, as I've said. I'm not going to do this project. I'm not going to catch up on this. I'm not going to look at these emails. I'm not going to look at this text asking me to do something. I'm going to focus. I'll get back to those tomorrow. They'll all be there tomorrow. But for today, nope. So establishing some boundaries. And also viewing time how God wants us to. I'm stepping out of the craziness and using this time to remind myself that I am a living child of God. And that matters. And he has given me life. And I'm going to enjoy it. The reminder of creation and redemption, the picture of a God-centered life, how this allows me to refocus and refresh, I hope you know what an amazing gift God is giving you by telling you to Sabbath. But we must see how serious this gift is. Exodus 31, 14 says this, Observe the Sabbath, because it is a holy day to you. Anyone who desecrates it must be put to death. 
Whoever does any work on that day must be cut off from his people. So that seems a little harsh. But is it really? The death penalty was for those who, validate, who violated the sanctity of life. If the, the punishment has to meet the crime. And so in this time and culture, to violate the sanctity of life was to receive the death penalty. And so grasp the significance of what this is telling me here. Not taking a Sabbath means that I am violating the sanctity of my life. I am violating the sanctity of the life God has given me. I am not caring for the life that God is giving me the way that a murderer doesn't care about the life that he's taking. And so within that, the punishment is the same. Take this serious. God is saying your life matters. Your life matters. Maybe that's the thing somebody in here needed to hear today. You need to know that regardless of what other people have told you, how other people have made you feel, the experiences that you've had, and I'm not discounting or devaluing or minimizing anything, but I'm speaking truth over them and through them to shatter them. Your life matters to God. Your life matters to God. He wants you to know and experience the life that he has for you. You matter to him. It's one thing to be reminded of what's most important. It's another thing to be changed by it. This time to refocus, to refresh, to allow God to give you rest. And so in that, God provides Sabbath, but we must receive and experience it. We must receive and experience it. So God provides Sabbath. He, he is the one that's made this possible. He is the one that's done this. He's, this was his idea. God provides Sabbath but we have to receive it and experience it. And so today is the day to trust in the Lord and receive the Sabbath that he has for you. Hebrews 4 says, There remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. There remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. There's a reality that when we think about the the brokenness that we see in the world, the angst that we see, everything without it, we see what happens, the, the product, the consequences, the result of sin in the world. When people do their own thing, when people go their own way, when people just, ah, God, I'm going to do this, that creates destruction. That creates brokenness. And so we can deal with all the brokenness and everything that we want, but it's not going to take care of the sin issue. The sin's still going to be there. And it's still going to be producing brokenness and stress and evil and all different kinds of things. And we feel the weight of that. God is the only, and we turn to all kinds of different things to try to deal with that, try to deal with the brokenness. But and nothing that we turn to, sure, it can mask the broken feeling, but it can't deal with the heart sin issue that produces the brokenness in ourselves and within all the world around us. Only God could do that. That's the beauty and the power of the reality of the cross and the resurrection is that Jesus died on the cross so that the, the penalty of sin, that what sin demands, what sin uh, causes, can be dealt with. The penalty for it is paid. The infractions that it caused can be paid for. The, that which we, that's the, um, the consequences of sin 
or put on him, not on us. And within that, he paid the price for our sins. But he, he rose from the dead, the scriptures tell us. He's conquered sin. He conquered dead, death, inter, introducing a new life to humanity. And so within that, the sin problem is taken care of. He wipes our sins away. He cleanses us of our sins. We have to receive that gift from him. It tells us that it's by grace, scriptures tell us it's by grace that we're saved. Not by anything that we do, only by the reality of Jesus. Only based on what he's done. So we look to the cross. We look to the resurrection. That's how my sins are forgiven. That's how I'm given new life because of what Jesus has done. Not by being a good person, not by being better than the next person, not based on what my parents believe. I look to the cross and the resurrection. Jesus died in my place so that I could be forgiven. He rose from the dead so that I can have life. I, Romans tells us if we confess with our hearts and believe in our, confess with our mouth and believe with our hearts that he is Lord, we will be saved. You have to receive the life that God has given you. You have to trust in your heart. I want him to be Lord of my life. I acknowledge my, my need for him. I acknowledge my need for a savior. My sins need to be forgiven and I want life from you. Jesus, I'm following you with my life. When you acknowledge that reality, that is when you begin to live. That's when your soul finds the ultimate rest that can only be found in Jesus. And so if that's something you've never done, if something that you, uh, how, somebody could ask you, how is your relationship with God? What, how is it with you and God? If you don't have a definitive answer to that question, it's not where it needs to be. Well, I mean, I try to be a good person or my parents, I was... None of that helps. And none of that matters. How are you and God? What, I, am, I am saved and living because of Jesus. When I can say that, not just here, but in the depth of who I am, that's when I'm living. That's when my soul has experienced rest. That's when I, am, I have become who I was created to be because of who he is. And so if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus... Today's the day to do that. You need to receive the rest that God has available for your soul. Let today be the day that you find him. To practice, that's the idea of the Sabbath that Hebrews talks about. The Sabbath idea, this weekly Sabbath that Leviticus and Exodus and throughout scriptures that we see talking about, how do we practice that? How do we do that? Because God is telling us, this is part of who, what it means to be my people. This, is, this was something that was established in creation, that Sabbath would be present, that Sabbath would be part of our natural rhythm. And so how do we do that? Well, there's two questions that you have to answer. First off is this. When will your Sabbath be? When are you going to do Sabbath? It's not about the day necessarily. It's about taking a day. So six days God worked, and then one day he didn't. It doesn't say God worked Monday through Saturday, and then he took Sundays off. Even though Sunday's a great idea, because this is where we have church, and we're in community, and we're together. But for you, it might have to be Friday. It might have to be Tuesday. I don't know what your weekly rhythm is. Maybe it's from 6 p.m. on one day to 6 p.m. the rest. Maybe it's from the time you wake up to the time you go to bed. Whatever that is, but taking one block of time that you're going to say no, that you're going to say create the boundaries and putting that in there. You have to reorganize 
you're weak. And you have to think different about your weak. And here's the most important thing for us. You have to be willing to say no to some things. You are in charge of your schedule. And so you have to tell your schedule what's happening. And so when are you going to Sabbath? And I know it might be hard to just make this change this week, you know, make this change even this month. But you need to make this part of your life. And so maybe it's taking half of a day or part of a day and between now and so the time you could really start creating this rhythm. But you have to be intentional. This is not something that's just going to happen. It's not just going to appear in your calendar. You have to make it happen. God has provided us. He has said, he's giving you permission to do this and saying, this is what it means to be one of my people. You need to Sabbath. So when are you going to do it? And so maybe you even need to take your calendar out right now and say, here's when it is. Here's the part of my week that I'm claiming as my holy time. To Sabbath as God wants me to Sabbath. When are you going to Sabbath? The other question you need to ask is this. What will you do on your Sabbath? What will you do on your Sabbath? This should be entirely different than the other six days. This day should be about joy, about celebration, about community. It's not about inactivity. It's not about doing nothing. It's not about being bored for the Lord. It's about finding joy in the life that God has given you. And so what do you enjoy that refreshes you? I had a friend that, to him, Sabbath, especially in the summer and spring, Sabbath for him was going out and gardening in his backyard. And to me, that just sounds like chores and work. But for him, it was refreshing. No one needed him. It was something that he really enjoyed doing. He loved when it was over with. It filled his tank. He refreshed him. He loved gardening. That would be the perfect Sabbath thing for him and the least perfect Sabbath thing for me. But it's not about me. It's about him. That was the thing he needed to do. What is something like that that you love to do? And you know what? It doesn't matter what it is. Do it. I love to just go and see a movie with my family. I love, I am 49 years old and I will just sit with a thing of Legos and my audiobook and just be by myself for an hour and it is the best. I will play a video game, I'll read a fiction book, I'll go for a walk, I'll go for a run and if you think any of that's silly or dumb, I don't care because it's my Sabbath, not yours. But what is your thing? What is the thing that you need to, any other week, oh, I feel so guilty doing this fun thing because I have so much to do. You get a day to do it. What's the thing that you can do that's going to fill your tank, that's going to refresh you, that you're going to enjoy and do that? At the same time, what are other things that can fill your soul? I mean, some would say that the best meals of the week are for God's, for God's people should be the Sabbath day. The best night of sleep for God's people should be Sabbath because the stress is gone and you've just existed. But remember, this isn't an individual act. It's an act to connect and be reminded. So what does it look like for you to connect with God? Maybe that's part of your Sabbath within that 24 hours as you go for a walk or you go for a prayer walk or you just sit and read a part of Scripture just for the fact of hearing from the Lord. 
praying together with family or somebody else? What is it? How can you connect with the Lord on Sabbath? How can you connect with friends, family, community? Some of the most amazing times of Sabbath. I've been able to go to Israel many times and my family's got to go with me a couple times and you ask my kids, what was their favorite part of Sabbath? And my daughter will tell you, it was the Sabbath meal we had. Just to be with these people and be in this meal, be at these people's homes, it's the best. It's the most fun of the entire week. How can you have that kind of connection with others in community? Give yourself permission to Sabbath. Mike Iaconelli is a youth leader who's since to be gone with the Lord, but he's did a lot with youth ministry. He said this, one of the most spiritual things that we can do is take a nap because by doing so, we acknowledge that the world will go on without us and God has it under his control. Whether it's to take a nap on Sabbath, whether it's to have fun and play a game or go for a walk or whatever that might be, to read the word, to pray, to be with friends, to be with family, whatever it is, God is giving you permission to stop. To stop. To not be stressed. To not be overwhelmed. To not be burdened. And to just be reminded of how good it is to be a child of God. That's the gift of Sabbath. And again, you might be hearing me say this. You might be, oh, but i got to figure this out, and how do I do this? I'm telling you, it's like all those other situations. Once you start doing it, you're going to start saying, oh, I needed this. I needed this. And God's going to go, hmm, yep, I know. It's okay to stop and Sabbath. We're going to close today by receiving communion. And so um, they're going to start passing out the elements. Uh, if this is your first time ever doing communion with us, let me just give you a couple of instructions here. Uh, they're going to pass out the trays. There's one that has bread in it. The other one has juice. Just take one of each, hold on to them, and then we'll receive communion together in a moment. Um, in the bread tray, there's a smaller little cup in there that has gluten-free. Um, and so if you need that, um, just know that's what that's for. Um, we always take a moment of just quiet to be prayerful before the Lord, uh, before we receive communion. And this is a time as we, you know, we've fed on the word of God. Now we're going to be reminded um, of that truth. And so maybe during this time of prayer, you need to process something with the Lord that you heard. Maybe it's just being quiet and letting God speak to your heart. Maybe you need to confess something, but whatever this is, this is meant to be time with you and, and the Lord to be reminded. I mean, what is communion reminding us? But his body was broken and his blood shed in my place. It's because of him my sins are forgiven. It's because of his death that I'm able to be a child of God. That he took the punishment of my sin upon himself and gave me life. Communion reminds us of that. So if, if you're one in here today who's never trusted Jesus, you don't need to do communion because you don't have anything to be reminded of. You need to receive what communion's reminding us of. You need to take this time to pray and surrender your life to the Lord and say, save me, Jesus. I want to be your child. And so whatever you need to do with the Lord during this time, we're going to be quiet before him. And then after a moment, we'll receive communion together. And so Jesus, we just pray that you would encourage and speak to our hearts and challenge us during this time. We thank you for the cross and everything that it stands for. Remind us of that now. 
And so let's just be quiet before him and then we'll receive communion together.